0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. I'm your host Stone Fredrickson. And on this show, I explore the different minds and lifestyles of very successful content creators, entrepreneurs, and investors to try to provide you with as much valuable information so that you could become successful. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite content creators, Kelsey, many of you know her as Socially Kels on TikTok and Instagram, because she has over 300,000 followers on her TikTok. Uh, I, I'm trying to catch up to her, but I don't think I can. She's, she's just an animal. She's a full-time social media manager, she's a full-time content creator, and she, she focuses on creating content around social media management and growing on platforms like TikTok. And instagram she provides her expertise her her experience her valuable tips so that you can become your own boss um, and live a life on your terms with social media management and, and and or becoming a content creator. we will discuss her path of becoming a social media manager her path of becoming a content creator and how you can do the same because listen guys social media management is in huge demand we hammer it on this podcast uh, and in this episode, but take it from me, I work with 1000s of creators and brands every single day. And all of them need this done for them. I mean, just creating content or even just repurposing their own content on other platforms. Um, and you can make an extra couple thousand dollars a month easily. And it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. And so that's why I'm super excited to have her on uh, to discuss this and how easily it is for you guys to do this and change your guys's life. Financially, um, and speaking of which, we also discuss investing, crypto stocks, getting financially literate, and how you can easily get financially literate and become a millionaire in this day and age, which is by far the easiest time to become a millionaire. So, super excited to have her on uh, because she's one of the biggest and best uh, in her industry. So, make sure to check her out on Instagram and TikTok's so, at Socially Kells and her link in bio to learn how you can work with her and learn more about social media. Uh, other than that make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and sauce me a nice five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on Uh, and also if you don't follow me on tiktok already be sure to follow me at stone Fredrickson and at coach stone also be sure to check out the youtube channel i'm trying to grow that out and hit the like button subscribe hit the notifications so you get notified when i post a video but anyways guys thank you guys so much for tuning in and i hope you enjoy oh shoot i gotta i gotta make a little video for the day in the life vlog
1: Oh, can't forget. <laughs> That's my like. All right, Kelsey,
0: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I'm super, <laughs> I'm super excited for this podcast. i I've like always been a fan of social media management. I think it's such a underrated side hustle, and I think a lot of people can utilize it and do it to make more money or to get out of their corporate job that they probably hate, um, or you know, just like I said, make more money. And it's like a good side hustle. So. Before we get into that, I just want to learn a little bit more about you, your story, and how you got into social media management and content creation. Well,
1: yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me on. I'm such a big fan of your work, so this is exciting. Um, I got into social media management in late 2020. Um, I never went to college. I never had huge career aspirations. I wanted to be a dancer. That's what I was doing after all of my childhood and in high school. And then after high school, I was in um, professional dance companies. So I was really pursuing that. Was never obviously in it for the money. I don't know if anyone knows anything about the dance industry, but it's extremely hard to make a living from. But I never cared about that. It was what I was passionate about. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic hit and I'm about, you know, 21 at this point, And I had to kind of start thinking about, okay, you know, I have actual bills now to pay. So I was waitressing because obviously dance was not paying my bills. I was waitressing, dancing on the side, working just a ton and like overworked the pandemic hit. So then I was doing absolutely nothing. So that was a big moment for me going from like a hundred to zero. And I was like, okay, it just made me think about life and like where I want to be. And I've always had these big goals. You know, I want to travel. I want to own a house. I want to, you know, be independent financially. I don't want to be depending on anyone else. And I was thinking, well, how am I going to do that? Dance I love, but maybe it's just a passion more for a hobby, not a career. And I always loved social media. I made videos growing up all the time, loved creating and editing videos. It was always something I never thought about in a career way. Um, I actually saw a TikTok, though, about social media management. And I was like, this might be a way that I can get into the social media industry without needing a following because I never thought anyone would want to follow me or, you know, the influencer side of things I always thought was unattainable to me. So I was like, I'll do this. So I learned all about social media management completely, you know, on my own. I just went online and started listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, reading articles, experimenting on my own platforms. I put myself out there as Socially Kels, started advertising my social media management services, was able to lend a few clients and get started there. And sort of my social media, my TikTok and Instagram was to try and get social media management clients. My strategy there was to post social media tips to gain that authority and get that trust from people and ended up just kind of blowing up really quickly. My TikTok platform kind of like skyrocketed really quickly. And I was like, whoa, people are following me just, you know, to learn from me and that sort of thing. So that's when the perspective switched. And I was like, there's so many other ways I can, you know monetize this. I started getting brand deals. I started getting reached out to for other opportunities like content creation things. And so now I'm sort of at a place where I'm just coaching and doing content creation and just, I love every second of it. So it almost kind of like it was this crazy journey and everything kind of fell into my lap at the same time as I was working really hard, of course. So it's been a little crazy.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say it fell right into your lap. I mean, content content creation is a grind, but I mean, that is, that is super fascinating because it's like, When I started creating content, I wasn't like, by no means was I super knowledgeable and like investing in crypto. And that's what got me into creating content because I wanted to talk about it more. And I can't really talk about it to my friends because it's such a one-dimensional conversation. But you kind of have it, you know, you were kind of similar in the fact of like you were learning social media management while creating content. And I think that's a great way to learn and master a specific uh, industry niche um, and so that's, that's super interesting. Like, but I w- I wanted to ask you like creating your first video, like run mm-hmm. me through that process and like, how did you gain that, that confidence? Cause a lot of people, you know, uh, that, that's, that's a big, big struggle for them.
1: Totally. Yeah. Um, I even like what you said about kind of learning as you go, because I think that holds a lot of people back. They're like, I'll start once I know more, but yeah. you learn the most just doing it. So I kind of went into it with that mindset where I was like, I don't know everything, but I think I just need to go for it. Exactly. My first TikTok, it's funny when I go back and look, I recently went back and looked at my first TikTok and I'm talking so quietly and so slowly (laughs) and I sound so shy. And I'm like in front of my camera with um, this like not even a ring light, like a flashlight I was trying to use. Um, So it wasn't good by all means. Like it wasn't a fantastic TikTok. There's no audio. It's just me talking, no trendy, anything. Just a solid minute of me giving a tip on Instagram. I think it was about to about how you shouldn't focus on growing your audience you should focus on nurturing your current audience. It was something about that and it picked up some traction. I think that I think at the time not a lot of I think now there's a lot of creators talking about this sort of thing. I think at the time maybe there wasn't as much. I think my timing was the biggest reason I grew. It was just the timing of it. Um yeah, so my first video was just kind of putting myself out there. I expected nothing from it too. I went into it with no expectations. I was just like i'm just gonna see what happens and it did fantastic
0: well i think that's the best way to go about it because like Mm -hmm. that's that's exactly what i did i was just like i was introduced to the crypto investing and compound interest and i was like this is so fascinating that i need Mm -hmm. to create content about it like i don't care if i embarrass myself um right it's just it's just like i want to talk about it and i i think the biggest thing is like that commitment of like I'm going to create content every single day for the next six months, regardless of how many views I get, regardless of what people are going to think of me, uh, regardless of how many followers I get, and just put out this information because I think a lot of teenagers and young adults need it. And I'm sure you were thinking the same thing in terms mm-hmm. of people and for social media. Um, but honing in, because you were more on Instagram, right? I mean, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I started on Instagram. What, it, what eventually- do you
0: recommend? What do you recommend for Instagram growth? I mean, because obviously the algorithm and features have changed since, mm-hmm. you know, you started, but for right now, if, if someone's watching, you know, or listening, wanting to grow on Instagram, what do you, what do you recommend?
1: Yeah. Well, Instagram's super important. I always thought about Instagram as sort of my portfolio in a way. So it was really important to have, but TikTok was where the growth was happening. So I was almost mm. thinking about TikTok as a way to drive traffic to my Instagram as my portfolio. Got so it. I would say definitely utilize the organic reach that TikTok gives because Instagram doesn't give it as much. You, now that there's reels, we are seeing more of that. So utilizing reels is going to be important if you want to grow on Instagram. But as well as um, yeah, utilizing TikTok to drive the traffic over to Instagram, I think was the biggest thing for me. Um, it is slower growth than TikTok. That's just... Yeah. Everybody knows that. Um, but yeah, posting on your stories daily is really good too. Not really for growing, but for creating that really solid audience. Because I find that although I have a way bigger following on TikTok, most of my conversions are from Instagram, which is super interesting. Because I think it's the people that come from my TikTok care enough to be on my Instagram and get to know me in that more personal level or learn about my offers on a deeper level that Makes really sense. convert well. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. and And like... TikTok is way better in getting in front of those random people, random eyes. It's yeah. like because TikTok, TikTok only has one channel. I mean, if you look at something like Instagram, you got stories, you have the feed, you have explore page, trending page, reels. But with TikTok, it's the for you page and you're brought to it right mm-hmm. when you open the platform. So in, in terms of TikTok, like what do you what do you recommend people should focus on and, and how they should you know grow their audience over there?
1: I mean, they hate to hear it, but niching down, (laughs) I always say, um, yeah, I always describe it as as much as people don't really want to niche down. And it's not like you have to be married to it, right? Like I'm sure you were the same when you first started, you were focusing on one certain thing and it really helped you build your audience at first. And since you've grown, you're able to branch out and post about a little bit different things and broaden out. But that initial first 50 TikToks, I would say make as specific as possible, especially if you see traction from it. Because that's what I did. I posted my first Instagram tip. My first few TikToks were all about Instagram tips and they did really well. So why would I all of a sudden switch up and start talking about something else? Like, you've got to just, while the ball is rolling, like, milk it as much as you can. When it stops working, try something else. But sticking to that one specific thing is the best way to get that initial. Boom on
0: TikTok. Yeah, for sure. And I totally agree. And I think people focus on, like, uh, the top people in the industry way too much. And they're like, oh, well, they're creating content. Like, people always tell me, like, oh, well, Gary Vee's creating content on NFTs and sports cards and garage sale. I'm like, yeah, but in the beginning, he was focused on wine. He grew his he, – he was niched down in wine. So niching down is super important, and it's also important for that TikTok uh, – the algorithm to – Know what content you're putting out, so they can match it with an audience to do best with. Um, yeah. So those are those are all great tips. But I want to move a little bit more into the, the social media management because mm-hmm. I made a TikTok on my Stone Frederickson account how I would go from broke to si- six figures within you know like six months. And what I said was you know learning about social media management and how to repurpose content for creators on one platform to another, um, and providing that service for for free to your first initial clients to gain experience. And then, you know, making a Fiverr account and making some side money there. But networking and, um, you know, creating those packages. But that was another thing I wanted to ask you. But uh, tell me exactly and and the audience, like what exactly you do. um, And if someone is inspired by your story and, and that TikTok that I made, how could they start and how could they effectively reach out to creators?
1: Right. Yeah. So um, as a social media manager, it's absolutely a good way to get started, especially people our age who grew up with social media. You have so much knowledge of it already. And that's a huge asset. I think that people our age don't even realize it, how big of an asset that is. I get on coaching calls with people that are in their forties and I spend an hour, they'll pay me good money to sit on a call for an hour and me teach them how to post an Instagram story. (laughs) Like seriously, it's like, Don't overthink it. You have these skills that you don't even know are skills. Um, The biggest thing about social media management is just almost the time. It does take time. It's hard work, but it's easy skill, I would say, if you grew up in this generation. Of course, you're going to have to keep up with education because social media is forever changing. But there's so many resources out there, you know, podcasts, YouTube, whatever, um, with updated information and experimenting yourself. Um, When it comes to reaching out to... Brands, when you're first getting started as a social media manager, um, I would suggest just treating yourself as your first client. Don't underestimate that. Um, Creating your own, like create a new Instagram account, a new TikTok account that's dedicated to your social media management services, and you are your first client. Post consistently, do the hashtag research, do the engagement, all of the things that you would do for a client for yourself, and you can use that as part of your portfolio. And obviously, starting out, the biggest thing is that you're going to reach out to brands that clearly need help. Like you're not going to reach out to a brand that already has a million followers and a beautiful feed. They're probably not going to be interested. Reach out to those really small businesses that maybe don't have a huge budget or they're really new to social media. They're not utilizing it properly. You can swoop in and be like, Hey, I saw your Instagram. I think we could be utilizing it so much better. I can help you. Um, I would love to hop on a call and discuss. That's where you're going to be able to get in. My first few clients were very, Smaller, maybe photographers, you know, smaller people that aren't already super knowledgeable on social media. So you kind of have to meet brands with where you are, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Did you, mm-hmm. did you like just email them or did you like DM them on Instagram or like if, 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 a uh, if a creator is on TikTok that has maybe, you know, 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers, but he has no social, he or she has no social, uh, 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 YouTube or Instagram and, you know, person listening or watching is like, oh, I got this creator in mind. How do they reach out to them?
1: Yeah. So actually my first few clients reached out to me, which was cool. Cause that was kind of my goal. Um, putting myself out there and sharing about my tips, or not about my tips, about my services and um, kind of engaging with brands. I wanted to work with making a connection first. So it didn't seem so like cold pitch when I did decide to reach out to them. But just by doing that, they actually DM'd me first and were like, Hey, we'd love to know more. So that was cool. Um, but when it comes to reaching out to them, cause of course I have also reached out to other creators or brands, I would always try and do it in an email. It just comes off better yeah. than sliding into the DMS. Um, if there's an email available, <laughs> send them like, and this is really just a quick introduction to see if they're interested. You don't want to be super salesy. You kind of, the goal is just to get them on a call. So you reach out and say, Hey, I've been following you for a while. Um, this is what I do. How, this is how I think I could be a value to you. Um, this is the ideas I maybe have to grow your social media presence, however you wanna word it. And then sometimes I would include a little um, portfolio if you have past work that you could put, maybe a few like examples of work you've done, a little bit of a range of pricing just so they have an idea because sometimes people don't even wanna hop in a call if they have no idea. So sometimes that helps. And then just having a link to be like, book a call with me, like 15 minute call. You just wanna get them on a call is the goal.
0: Yeah, I 100%, I 100% agree. And I think the the main thing, especially if you're listening or watching and you're just starting out, is just to gain experience. And like what Kelsey said, just keep learning. You know, there's so many YouTube videos, podcasts out there. Uh, keep consuming r- relevant information that's going to benefit you. Uh, but also, like, in the beginning, you're probably going to have to do it for free and then show your value and then charge. Um, but I think I, I 100% agree in terms of reaching out with an email because I get so many DMs and I can't imagine yeah. what other you know creators get. Uh, they probably get so many DMs as well. So reaching out via email, if they don't respond, well, then follow up in a couple of days and then totally. follow up again. Um, I, I, I love watching Graham Stephan on YouTube and his assistant Jack said he followed up seven times until wow. Graham... Finally said, "Okay, we'll have we'll have some lunch." So that just you know, just to give you some perspective, just follow up, up and and keep going. And um, I'm actually going to create a video today about how I'm, I'm going to set a mission to try to manage the Nelk Boys TikToks. And so that's because awesome. I, I looked at them and I'm like, I could really provide a lot of value here. So that's that's something on my to do list. So we'll see how that goes. But um, awesome. in terms of like, there's there's so many platforms for social media managers to, to focus on, I mean, there's Instagram, Facebook, which, you know, can be linked together, but there's also YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter. What do you think a social media manager just starting out should focus on?
1: They should focus on what they know. That's what okay. I did. Cause it's intimidating starting out. Um, it's a little scary. There's a lot of platforms out there, but don't feel like you need to offer everything because then you're just going to be terrified and you're going to be overworked. And it's a lot. Um, So yeah, don't feel like you need to offer every platform. Like what platform do you know the best? If you're like, Oh my God, YouTube is like my thing. I use it all the time. I know so much about it. YouTube's going to be your main product. When I first started, I only offered Instagram at the start because I was like, this is what I know the best. I feel confident in this. I'm just going to offer Instagram right now. And then as I got more comfortable, um, I offered more platforms than Facebook and TikTok and Pinterest. But in the start, you can offer just like one, two, maybe three platforms that you're super comfortable with.
0: Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. And But uh, in terms of like the the rates and charging for that, because I, I feel like charging hourly could be kind of confusing, but also kind of hard for like the influencer to like kind of judge how long you're working. So what do you recommend in terms of like charging? Should it be packages? Mm-hmm. Should it be a hourly rate or a flat fee? What do you think?
1: It's hard. What I did was it was kind of hourly, but I didn't tell the client it was hourly. It was kind of calculated by myself. So I would do packages. I would have three packages, sort of like the low tier, middle tier, high tier. And it, that would be based on how many services they want. I would list, these are all my services. Which ones do you want? Like three services is the lowest package. Five is the middle. All the services is the highest. So it would depend on what services they pick would depend on what package they get. It's really personalized. And I would go off of, at some point you know, how long is it gonna take you to do hashtag research for somebody? Like you kind of know, okay, that's gonna take me two hours a week, for example. I would go off of how many hours I think these services were gonna take, and then I would charge about $30 an hour based on how many hours I thought, and then put it into a package where they didn't know that I had an hourly rate, I was just putting it together as a package, but how you calculate it in your own mind, That's how I went about it. And it's pretty, like, that's on it. It's a really fair rate. Even for starting out, like, $25, $30 an hour is a fine rate to start with. Don't undervalue yourself. It's a very valuable job. I think a lot of people think otherwise, but those people don't know what we know.
0: (laughs) Exactly, 100%. And especially if you know these platforms and you're, you know, somewhat tech savvy, um, uh, I think (laughs) a lot of people will feel more comfortable hiring you and paying the extra five, ten dollars $15 an hour then go on sure. something like Fiverr and, you know, give someone their passwords that they don't even know. So exactly. 100%. Um, the other thing I, I was, I was wondering is like, what are any uh, important tips you recommend or common mistakes you see a lot of social media, uh, social media managers make? Um, and what do you recommend?
1: My biggest mistake is something I think a lot of, not just social media managers, but maybe freelancers in general um, is boundaries. I am someone that I find that difficult. I'm very... not a doormat, but you know, I'm very, I let people kind of take advantage. Sometimes I'm a people pleaser. So that was something I struggled with in the beginning is that clients will take advantage of you. Like they will call you at 9 PM and be like, Oh, can we change this? Oh, actually blah, blah, blah. And I learned the hard way. Cause then I felt so overworked and burnt out. Cause I was always replying to things. I was always like, okay, okay. We can change this. We can change this. You need to cut that off right away because it's so much harder to stop once you've let it happen. So, in the very beginning, like you have a contract with every client, the contract needs to be very, very clear what times you're available, what exact services you're offering, and how many um, changes they're allowed to make. Like, to certain con, if you're creating any sort of content or doing any sort of copy for them, for example, they should be allowed to have two, maybe three changes. Because at that point, they're not giving you clear enough instructions if you need to change it more than three times and they're still not happy. And that's going to be a waste of your time. Like, little things like that that need to be really clear from the get-go is going to help your life so much more. It's going to be more productive for everybody.
0: Yeah. That, that's a great point. And even like, uh, for me setting boundaries for coaching and consulting with creators mm-hmm. and brands was super huge. Cause, uh, you know, just as, as little as posting consistently every single day and implementing my tips and strategies because people wouldn't do that. And then it will reflect reflect back on me and and my expertise and yeah. And so it will ruin your reputation. So absolutely. Um, But uh, one, one selfish question I had and it will probably bring a lot of value to a a lot of people listening and watching is how did you take all that knowledge and put it into a course? Because right now I'm in the works of, of building out a course and structuring it is it's it's just super uh, it's super stressful and you don't really know what to do so like kind of run me through yeah. your thought process with with your course and how you did that.
1: Yeah, it's challenging. It's for sure challenging. I knew I wanted to make a course for a while. I feel like similar to you, where you know you want to do it, but you're like, how do I put it from my brain in a way that people are going to understand? Um, for me, my whole thing creating my course was okay. When I first started out, I was taking bits and pieces of information from everywhere. I was experimenting. I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. I learned from those. So I was getting information from a lot of different places. It wasn't exactly easy. So I was thinking, what would I want when I was first starting out? And that's what I kind of went off of. I was thinking, okay, I would want something that puts everything in simple terms. I would want it to be very step by step. So in that way, that's how I kind of formatted the course. It was, it's sort of in almost chapters. So because there's lots of different ways to put your course. So mine is very much like a how-to guide almost with like step by step. You do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. So I took myself through my own process. Okay, first, we need to learn about the platforms. Okay, next, we need to create our business and do sort of that sort of stuff. Next, we need to start putting ourselves out there and looking for clients. Okay, now you have a client. How do we onboard them? How do we start working? How do we keep up with education? Like just going in my mind that way is how I formatted mine. So I guess it would depend what you're really trying to accomplish with your course.
0: That that really helps. I mean, because it is, it is like I said, very stressful kind of, I mean, because there's so much information, especially with TikTok to like navigate where you should put it. But mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, doing the chapters and really saying, okay, And in the viewer standpoint, what would I want that that really helps. But one thing I want to really hammer before we move on to my next topic is like the the importance of social media management and how how big of a demand it is right now It's just Mm -hmm. just from me, like working with all these other creators and brands that don't have the capacity nor the uh, want to learn about these platforms and repurpose their content. And it's just as simple as taking content and repurposing it on on Instagram. Like if there's a TikTok influencer or a creator that's creating content, they want to build an audience on other platforms to diversify their audience and lower their risk of losing their audience. So even if it's just reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, you know, I'll take your videos and place them on you know Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and just taking the TikTok watermark off and repurposing it it it, just as simple as that and you know adding some hashtags doing some research with that but uh really capitalizing on this opportunity i think a a lot of teenagers and young adults can uh especially if you want to just make an extra couple thousand dollars a month it 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 could really get to that level um especially just in like a couple months so really really recommend everyone to look into it but I want to go into uh, investments and and talking about money because here on the Sticks and Stones yeah. podcast we normalize money and I was super I, I was super uh, inspired and admired when I looked at your TikTok and you were you know talking more about Web three and crypto and mm-hmm. investing and um, getting people to look more into finance and getting financially literate so. First, I just wanted to ask you, like, what made you want to get into something like personal finance and investing in crypto, and and why do you think others should too?
1: Um, It's funny. My parents were—they always taught me enough about money that I kind of, you know, I I have a good credit score. I did it all right in that sense. Um, From a young age, they kind of talked about it, so I knew a little bit about it. I got really interested in it when I first heard about Bitcoin and I was like, what is this? Um, I was like kind of late to the game. It was maybe like early 2019, late 2018. And I was like, this is interesting. And I kind of started just like, same thing with social media management. Like I just started teaching myself. I started listening to whatever YouTube, looking it up, just like kind of educating myself. power of the internet. Right. Like everything is all the information's out there. Um, I don't know what made me like really get super interested and I can't even remember, but... Um, just the more now, especially owning my own business and making like way more money than I've ever made in my life before. It's like, okay, I want to be smart about this. It's been a goal of mine for a very, very long time to buy a house, which I live somewhere that you you can't buy anything for under a million dollars. So that's like, you need to have your shit together if you want to own a house as like a young adult. So I think that was kind of something that pushed me into learning about money a lot. And I'm just so interested in it. And then it just fascinated me with this entire generation of people that say, oh, talking about money is taboo. Talking about money isn't polite. And that's like, then that just goes into, oh, well, all the you know wage gaps out there. It's all these issues because we don't talk about it. And people don't think, like schools don't teach about money. Exactly. It's this crazy, weird thing that's it's the most important thing in our world. And we don't talk about it it, it just fascinated me so i think learning about it i've just like the more i learn i love it and now the more i can learn about investing is amazing and most of my income goes to investments to be honest like i'm very smart with my money and i just want to always encourage people to do the same and i never I've, on my tiktok i'm sure you've seen a lot of people like oh teach me how to invest teach me how to do this i'm like i'm not in a position where i'm teaching about money i don't feel qualified but I do always encourage people to learn for themselves and find their own resources. Cause everybody can.
0: I love that. I love that because it's like, yeah, I mean, money controls most of uh, most of our lives. It's like the reason why people don't really pursue what they really want to do is because of money. And it's like, Oh, well, if I do that, I'm afraid I'm not going to make money and I got to live. I got to pay the bills. It's like, well, well, first off, you can monetize anything now with social media and uh, the internet. So, that shouldn't be an issue, but you know, like you should master money and investing and putting your money to work, so that way you don't have to spend your time for money. And that's super, super important to understand, um, especially at a young age, because you have an advantage that you will never get for the rest of your life in terms of investing, and that is time. And this will this will give you the ability to take advantage of compound interest and really growing your money. Um, it's it's really crazy to to see the returns and the return difference just from like ages 18 to like 25 and investing
1: It's, it's, it's huge. And I think like giving that, like people just don't know. I think if people saw the numbers and understood the difference, it would change everybody's lives. People just don't know. They don't have the information to make those decisions. I was live on TikTok maybe a week or two ago. And a guy was, I was kind of talking about investing a little bit. And this guy, Comments is like, yeah, I'm going to invest later in life. But right now I want to use my money to have fun. I don't want to miss out on having fun when I'm young. I'm like, have you seen my life? I go on trips. I bought the new iPhone. You know, I go out for drinks. I go to the bar. Like there is, even if you're investing $50 a month, everyone in this earth can afford $50 a month to invest. Even that is going to be huge difference by the time you go to retire. You have no idea the power of it. You don't need to be like, oh, I'm investing thousands of dollars. It's not super necessary, if you can, amazing, but I think people are intimidated by it. They're like, oh, I don't have enough money. When I'm older and I have money, I'll invest.
0: Yeah, and like, you're Christ. you're 100% correct. It's like uh, what Tony Robbins says. It's like just take a percentage of your paycheck and put it in to your investments, you know, just into the whole market and just act like it's a tax, just never sell and just put it into the market. And people are like, oh, well you can lose money while investing. It's like, not if you invest correctly, you know, if yeah. you invest into just an index fund, like the S P 500 that has performed on average 10% a year uh, for the last, you know, a hundred years, like it's very, very unlikely that you're gonna lose your money. Um, and you know, even just keeping it in your bank, you're losing money. If you were to, if you were to keep, say you had a thousand dollars. And if you were to keep that into the bank, if you had a thousand dollars last year and you keep that in the bank, it would be now worth roughly $940 due to inflation. But if you were to invest that and earn that 26%, you would have like, you know, $1,200. So it's like, it's, it's huge. And, and so I'm really glad that we're talking about it and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, telling the, however many people are listening or watching to, to get on it if they're not. But uh, I wanted to ask you just in specifics, because I'm all about specifics because people make excuses all the time. Uh, like, how did you learn about this? Were you, were you books? Were you YouTube videos? Were you podcasts? Were you just Google it and, and search it and read about it? Or, or what was, what was your kind of learning system?
1: I think a, Big part of it is the mindset part of it, like changing your mindset around money. And books were huge for me with that. Um, My favorite's called You're a Badass at Making Money. Jen Sincero, I believe. That's like one of my favorites. Um, Just changing the mindset around money to be differently, especially the people who grew up with parents that were like, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, like hammering that into you. It's hard to change that mindset and view it in a different way. So that was a big part of it. That was almost all books was that. When it came to the actual investing side, learning about crypto, learning about NFTs, Web3 and everything, that was a lot of YouTube, podcasts, Google, just looking. Google, like, Google, what is Bitcoin? You'll be able to figure it out. If you can commit a few hours to learning, you can learn anything. Um, and learning about finances and investing is super important. So yeah, the internet is fantastic for yeah. that. I also recently got a financial advisor who's really good at like educating me about the investments that she's recommending me. So it's not just like I'm giving my money away. It's like, I had a lot of, I felt very empowered by learning about it and then having somebody, a professional helping me. Um, So that was a really cool thing too. If you are able at at some point in your life to be able to do that. Yeah. I would recommend. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you said mindset because it is your Mm -hmm. mindset. And like, You know, going into it saying, oh, this is going to benefit my life and enable me to do the things I want to do when I want to do them. You know, go Mm -hmm. to that place and and travel and, you know, drink or go to the parties or whatever um, and get paid while you're doing it, you know, because your money is in assets and investment vehicles that is making money for you. And so that way you can do those other things while still getting paid. And so, Mm -hmm. and what you said earlier about like investing your money, like all your money, like I invest all my money. Like my bank Mm -hmm. statement is Coinbase, Charles Schwab, and M1 finance. Like I'm a very frugal guy too. Like I don't Mm -hmm. spend my money on really anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always tell people like, I recommend not spending your earned income, which is money that you use your time to earn on things that won't make you more money. You know, if you want that Starbucks, that's awesome. Then figure out how much you need to invest in order for that investment to pay for that Starbucks. You know, so it's yeah. so that way you're not spending oh, yeah. your time for that Starbucks. And again, that's just mindset. It's uh, knowing that and a very popular book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's another really good book. But, you know, investing in finances is is really male dominant. I mean, with my Stone Fredrickson account, I I think it's like 95% male, 5% female. So I wanted to ask you, how, how do you think I could target that female demographic a little bit more and get them into investing? Mm -hmm. Um, because I want to, you know, I want everyone to Mm. get into this.
1: Yeah. That's something I'm really passionate about, which is kind of, I never thought about posting about investing. It's always something I've been interested in, but didn't think about posting. But then I realized that there was this big disconnect between women and investing and women and money in general. So I was like, I feel like I need to be someone that sheds light, maybe. So I'm glad that you asked that. Like that's really cool. Um, I don't know. I think a big part of it is that women are just intimidated. And I think it's just the psychology thing of women too. I think men are just much more likely to dive into something without knowing everything. And women typically can be very much like, I'm gonna learn everything first and make the good decisions and be smart about it and all the things because they hold a lot of responsibility. Like they're the moms, they're You know, so a lot of it is just rooted in that. So I think just keep talking about it and we need to keep talking about it in a way. I think that's inviting to beginners Yeah. because I think there's a lot of lingo out there or you know, the classic finance bros that are just like, I have a Lamborghini and I'm also, you know, like that sort of thing. I think, and I think you're doing an awesome job of that. You're like, I'm a kid, I'm a regular person, but I learned this stuff, and you can too. Like just the accessibility about it, I think is the most important thing.
0: Totally agree. I'm glad. i um, yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And uh, just making it inviting for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But on onto on to what you're kind of investing into, and what you're looking into in terms of like your investment strategy. Kind of fill us in on that.
1: Yeah, I'm a very actually. I started my investment journey with trading. Like I was doing a lot of trading, like crypto trading, Forex trading. I was doing that for a while and I think that helped me learn a lot. So I'm really grateful for that. It was extremely time consuming. I don't know if you've ever dabbled in that, but like you're staring at a chart for so much time of your day and it's like technical analysis and there's a lot that goes into it. So for me, that was not a sustainable investing plot or strategy, I guess. It's also a little bit gambly, obviously. It's not exactly, you know, investing wise, it's more of the gambling side. Um, So I switched over to doing more long-term holding. Now I'm just long-term holder. I have never sold any, mm, that's lie. I've never sold any of my crypto except for when I sell it to put it into a different cryptocurrency. I've never like pulled it out. So I'm very much just buy it and hold, buy the dips. I'm Love in it. a few different cryptos. Um, yeah, and it goes well. You know, it dips and I'm like, sweet, it's on sale. Let's. Can I put more money in right now? And then um, I just have, you know, I put a lot into tax-free savings account. That's important to have. Like all those other things too. The emergency fund, you have money going to all these places that it needs to be in. Um, high yield saving account is great. And then I have just, you know, some mutual funds and things like that that are, Love again, it. just constantly, like every Friday I have money automatically pulled out going in there. Not a huge amount of money, but just enough that it's getting into the market at all these different levels. I think that's yeah. something that's underrated too. Like just putting in, other than put, or, sorry. rather than putting in $1,000 one time in the month, put 50 or 100 a few different times so that you're catching the market all the different places. Love it. That's sort of my...
0: Yeah, one hundred percent dollar cost average, and that's what I always tell people on my other account. And uh, a couple investing principles I always stand by are: invest as soon as possible, invest as consistent mm-hmm. as possible, invest as for as long as possible, and as, invest as much as possible. Uh, yes. But also, like you know, obviously diversify and, and don't mm-hmm. invest into other don't invest into things that you don't understand. But Mm-hmm. Those are all great points. I mean, I have the index funds and the Roth IRA automated, mm-hmm. and um, I'm investing into like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, XLM. Um, mm-hmm. Oh,
1: we got similar. Portfolio. Yeah, yeah, a
0: little bit of XRP <laughs> when I can. Yeah. Uh, that's a little mm-hmm. harder to buy, but yeah, I mean, and and just buying every single day or buying every single week. It just it depends yeah. on how the market is performing and. This is this is kind of an interesting market, so I'm kind of holding back mm-hmm. a little bit. But I also have like the high yield savings account. It's always good to have that emergency fund of like three to six months worth of expenses in case something were to happen. Um, okay. So those are all great points. But is there before we before we wrap it up? Is there anything else you would like to share? Where where can people find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me um, as socially Kelfs pretty much everywhere: TikTok, Instagram. YouTube, Twitter, all of it. Um, Yeah, you can find me there. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kelsey. Um, Yeah, thanks for Yeah, of course. That's going to do it for today's episode of Sticks and Stones. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Uh, If you are interested join us next week with uh the marketing expert and entrepreneur todd collins uh he'll be stopping by and you're not going to want to miss it uh so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on either apple Podcasts or spotify Rate it five stars, but also share with everyone you know, and also subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Hit the like button, leave your comments down below because I always check those. Uh, and if you don't follow me already on TikTok, be sure to check me out at Stone Frederickson and at Coach Stone. Plus, follow my Instagram, add me on LinkedIn, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.